Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. First, I want to just say, man, it is a privilege to be able to be up here and uh, to share the word with you. What a privilege it is to have access to the word of God. Man, we are a privileged people to even be able to say that. There are people that don't have that access, and I've had the opportunity to be able to meet some of those people in my life journey. So, <clears throat> but first, I want to just I want to say thank you for um, being who you are. So many people have reached out this week and encouraged me and blessed me, and it is definitely an honor to be part of such a loving community. So give yourselves a round of applause for that. Like literally, I texted like 50 people trying to find one of these because the Lord asked me to do it. And then people were like, okay, yeah. So to everybody who got a text message, I ended up getting one. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you why that's important in a second. But first of all, I just, um, I want to speak to the young people in the room because you're my people. Um, and... And then I'm going to dive into to the word here. So as you can see, I am under 30. Hopefully you can see that, <laughs> right? Uh, um, but I just want to encourage everyone in here. If you are, if you're a young person and if you've ever felt like, man, I want to have a place in a community, but I don't feel like I'm surrounded by the right people. If you're in this house, you're surrounded by the right people. There are people here who are willing to champion the gifts in you. If you show up authentically with what the Lord has given you. And I'm a testimony of that, right? So um, th literally, just off the bat, um, in missions, I had the opportunity of serving in 13 different countries in my short life. And um, I've seen some things that have taught me a lot. And some of that we're going to talk about today. But um, one of the things I learned is the importance of relationship. Can everybody say Relationship. And, so, and then the other thing is story. Everybody say story. So we see that in the Bible all the time, the importance of relationship and in story. But I really learned that from some of our warm culture um, brothers and sisters around the world. So I had lived in Mexico for five years, and um, they taught me that it's important to share who you are. So one thing is, um, this is me as a youth here. So you might recognize some faces, but why do, I sh why do I share this? So you see some zip lining, a pile of kids going out to eat afterwards, sitting in front of a fireplace. This is before we expanded the building. Um, when I came here as a 12-year-old, as a I think it was, um, it was, it was an, a unique opportunity. And the reason why I say that is because there are crazy moments in youth group where... Um, God captured my heart, you know, and so I, I pull on that when I get discouraged sometimes as a youth leader. I go back to, oh, I was the crazy kid on the couch screaming, um, and God was wrecking me for the nations. God was investing in my identity and delivering me from a spirit of death. Whoa. Okay, seriously, there was a spirit and an assignment of death on my family line. And as a 14-year-old girl on Valentine's Day, a friend of mine wrestled me on the floor, and I was delivered of that at a youth camp. Praise Jesus. So this is just part of my story, right? I came here as a kid, and, and I'm able to share with you now. And... Um, one of the things that happened is God baptized me in his love in one evening. And that was so important because I grew up in a, a broken family filled with trauma. Right? Um, and let me just say, I can stand up here saying, I am healed of trauma. And delivered from death. Man, those are pretty amazing things. But in that same time of my life, God put a seed in my heart for the lost. And to follow after him to the ends of the earth and to the end of myself. Okay? So, um, I'm going to read. 
a word to you that the Lord gave me. He met me in my office as I was preparing. And first, um, I'm just going to share this. I brought this because um, I'm a visual kinesthetic learner. So if you just talk at me, I've missed half of what you said. And like 85% of the youth group is like that. Right, guys? Yeah, hands-on learners. Okay, so this thing says, don't call it a dream, call it a plan. And I share that because that's who God made me. I am a dreamer, and I love, 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 love the prophetic words, and I love the calling that we have and the opportunity to participate in the eternal. But I'm the person in the room that goes, that's so amazing. It's too important to not figure out a plan to make it happen. Because, yeah, dreams happen, but plans, plans make those dreams happen. Does that make sense? So I'm going to put this up here because it's an important part Oh, what I'm sharing today. See, we have, we have many calls. We have many words that are powerful. And God is inviting us into a space this morning where we get some tangible, measurable action of how we're going to get there. Because it's not just a hoorah, amen. Like, that's awesome. But what we need is, all right, rubber to the road. This is revival. Okay? It's bringing it to the tangible every day, the way that I breathe, the way that I talk, the way that I walk, the way that I love people, right? It's not just, man, Lord, we want your will to be done. It's how can I help your will be done through my heart position and through my actions, okay? Awesome. So I'm going to open my journal. Um, and I'm just going to read straight out of my journal, because that's kind of who I am. I always start my days with, good morning, Lord, and usually start saying, thank you for this, and thank you for this. And I said, good morning, Lord, and he said, Kara. And I was like, oh, he's ready. <laughs> good morning, Lord. Kara, I am ready to share my heart with you. I've always called you to deeper into intimacy with me, and I've always been ready to take you further into truth into revelation, and into the trust, get this, that is required when you know me more. A time, a new time has come and is coming where I will pour out my spirit because of righteous hunger, where deep joy will be experienced even in the most troubling times because of the freedom in surrendering to my will. You are coming into a Paul-like understanding where the things and desires of this world fade from the front of your minds and they're replaced with holy passion for the desires of my heart. This will be done when willing hearts see the value of the gospel and will give their lives not out of duty, but out of sacrificial love. Love knows no greater one than this, to lay his life down for his friends. And the Lord asked me to do this. So I am doing it. I am sifting the heart of my bride, searching for those that will remain beyond the shaking of the world. those that will persevere past offense, the love of comfort, the addictions of busyness, the trials of persecution, those that will stand on truth, stand in faith, and stand with abounding trust in me. Kara, I am preparing a bride. So now I change it because it's for you, right? Heartland. I am preparing a bride on fire that is not afraid of the covenant she is making with me. I am preparing a heavenly feast for those who are willing to hunger on earth for kingdom's sake, who are willing to cry out, but also to live out. I'm going to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Just like we sang this morning. 
as we fix our eyes on you, the things of this world grow dim. They become meaningless compared to you. So Jesus, we thank you that you are sifting us, that you are shaking us to be ready to respond in love and joy to what you're asking us to do. Lord, help me share what you've placed in my heart this morning for your church. Amen. Awesome. Jesus came to serve. We're going to talk about Jesus. Man, I I love Jesus. I really do. I don't just say that because, like, it's cute. Like, no, I, I love Jesus. And I was going to make a joke, and I'm like, oh, does that fit? And I think it's kind of funny. So I love Jesus so much, and I have a crush on him that I literally married a foreign, brown, long-haired man with a beard <laughs> that I met on the mission field. No, for real, though. Um, man, I am excited to wake up and look at the face of Jesus. It gets me excited. <sighs> so if you would, open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 35. Mark 10, verse 35. All right, wave at me when you got it. Awesome, okay. So this is the request of James and John, all right? And James and John, sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever uh, we want to do for, sorry, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. You are able to drink the cup that I drink. Sorry, are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized in the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I will drink, you will drink. And the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. We're at verse 40 now. But to, um, but to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those to, for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called, to them, called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be a slave of all. This is the verse that I want to highlight. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So, we are Christians. We are of Christ. We follow him. He is our example. And he came to serve all. We had the opportunity um, this week to have a team training time with a ministry at Impella called Developing Great Relationships. If you haven't heard of them, they have amazing trainings. I encourage you to do so. And they're actually currently writing a book about this very topic that Jesus came to serve. And as they have been diving into their research, they shared this with us in our time that 912 times, can everybody say 912 the Bible has examples of how Jesus came to serve and not to lead. We live in a culture that's really obsessed with influence and with leadership and with position. But we follow a king that is captivated by service. We don't live by the systems of this world. And so he says, to be great, you must be a servant. 
To be first, you must be a slave to all. Man, I don't know about you, but the first time I heard that, it offended my flesh. I'm just being real. Until the Lord began to unpack it, right? The truth first offends you, then it sets you free. Whew. I'm feeling the freedom today, but the first time I heard that, I was like, huh? He has called us to live differently than the world. We all know this. But sometimes we forget to walk in the teachings of Jesus daily, right? The pick up your cross and follow me is one of the commandments Jesus left the disciples. He said in John 14, it says, if you love me, you will do what I command. So, you know, a few weeks ago in the youth group, we looked at what does Jesus actually command to his disciples. And, and one of them is, is take up your cross and follow me. One of the other ones is, every one of my believers are meant to make disciples. So that's not just for those who feel prepared. It's not just for those who are good at public speaking. It's not just for those who feel a call to ministry. It is for every single one of you if you profess, I believe in Jesus. Come on. <laughs> I get excited about that. Man, he wants to live, he wants us to live in a life filled with purpose and design. Guys, if, if there wasn't a reason for us to be here after being saved, we'd be like, all right, Jesus, I love you, I save you. And then he'd be like, whoop, up to heaven. But guess what? We're still here, guys. There's a purpose in our life here. And if you find yourself in these chairs and you've ever asked yourself, man, what is my purpose? Good news. <laughs> it's the good news. Okay, so the servant of all. All right, so Jesus, we're going to give some examples, right? Man, I love these dirty, nasty feet. Just look at them. They're gross. Love them. Why? Because Jesus washed those feet. The king of kings. It's not like I was Googling pictures and I'm like, these are all perfect feet in perfect water. I was like, that is not true. Why do we try to clean up the gospel? It's offensive. It should offend our flesh because we're not supposed to live in the flesh. We're meant to live by the Spirit. So that's what he's calling us into. He washed those gnarly, nasty feet because he loved them. So let's not clean up the messes of our life. Let's love them where they're at, okay? Let's love people where they're at. So here is, um, I love The Chosen. If you haven't seen it, watch it. So good. You're just going to encounter Jesus more and more every episode. It's so great. Here is a picture of him healing the leper, right? Everybody in, in society, they lived on the outskirts of society. They weren't allowed in town. You weren't even allowed. It was part of Jewish law to stay a certain distance away from them. Okay, and you know what Jesus said? Come here. Come here, let me touch you. Let me love you. This is what he's inviting us into. He came to serve. Our example, the author of our faith, is in inviting us into a life of service. He's inviting us into a life of washing feet. He's inviting us into a life of healing lepers and inviting the outcast. And here's um, these jars up here. Anybody know the story of Jesus turning water into wine? Oh, it's one of my favorites, but probably not for the reason that maybe a lot of you would think. Um, I'm going to share it with you. And if you've served with me, man, the youth are like, oh, this again. It's powerful, okay? I love this story because Jesus cared about his friend's reputation, and he cared about the servant's reputation. He loved them, and he was able to serve them. And so even though he felt like it wasn't his time, because when he said yes to the first miracle, he knew news would get out of who he was. So he wasn't just saying yes to you at the cross. He was saying yes to you at the water, at the wine. You hear me? But one of the things that I love most is that the servants were the ones stressing out, running to and fro, like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Running out of wine. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. We only have water. What are we going to do? And Jesus comes in and he's like, fill these things with water. And they're like, I didn't think you understood that we need wine. Does this make sense? There's times in our life where we think that we need something, but he actually knows what we really need because he's got a better solution we haven't thought of yet. 
So the servants, ah, oh, they filled those jars with wine. Sorry, with water. And Jesus turned them into wine. And they took the wine and served it to the guests. Here's what I want to offer to you. They participated in a miracle. The servants saw the before and the after. They didn't just get to enjoy the wine. They saw the process of Jesus working in people's lives. They saw the power of his love, his unconditional love, that they were like, man, he cared that much that he would save his friend's reputation at a wedding. So this is the kind of thing that he's calling us into. Now, I'm going to just jump into a little bit of my story here for a second. So as you know, in this house, I got a call for missions, and so I did that. When I was 17 years old, I bought a one-way ticket to Mexico. Woohoo! Mexico lindo and querido. I love Mexico. Um, and I became a missionary, right? Well, now I know that we're all missionaries. But at the time, I thought I needed to become one. Okay? Um, so... I, I moved to Mexico, and here's some of the examples. And I just want to share this with you because it's important. So um, in one of the images, I'm sweeping in Haiti in a school in a witch doctor community. And the other one, we had just built a house for my beloved friends. I love the Ojeda family. And this bottom picture, we were in Oaxaca. We had been on a 14-hour bus ride with no climate control. <laughs> yeah, we were backpacking, and as you can see, there's no people there, but <laughs> we went to look for the people hiking with our backpacks because we came with good news. And um, here, there's me carrying uh, trash, and um, here's playing with kids, and here is teaching kids how to grow plants and then buying the plants from them so that they can buy their books for school. So why is this important? The good news is so simple. You know, we all... There's, I don't know about you, but when I was little, I had this mentality of like, oh, a missions call is so great. It's like super Christian. And then I went across the world and swept a bathroom. And I was like, what's super Christian about this? It stinks. Seriously. Like, what's super Christian about changing a, a diaper of an old person that can't function for themselves after like three days of not having a change? I'm telling you, character was being made in me. <laughs> But that's the gospel, man. That's service. Woo. That service is, it's, it's about the simple things, right? So the word teaches us to do everything as unto the king. So we're going to read this. It's um, Colossians 3, 22 to 24, and I've got it up on the screen for us. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service, as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive your inheritance as your reward. You are serving Lord Christ. I have a couple pictures up there. Um, one is pretty close to home, changing a diaper. And the other one is sitting in traffic. Why do I have these images? In every moment, we are given opportunity to choose an attitude of worship. Worship's not just songs, guys. So, see, I grew up in the house of prayer, right, my whole life. Intercessory worship, prayer, for years and years, right? And then I came here to Heartland and encountered just powerful worship and manifestations of the Spirit of God rocking people and transforming people. But I didn't understand fully my reason for being here other than a lot of amazing prophetic words of what I would become, right? But in the moment, I was confused of like, okay, but what's my purpose today? And it was until God took me to serve in youth with a mission, and all of these moments came up where I'm like, wait, you crossed me across the world so that I can hear somebody's story over tea? That's your idea of changing the kingdom or changing the earth? Yes. Man, I love that God, his idea of changing the history of the world was a little baby being born in a messy animal area. Style. Like, right? Anybody want to have a baby in their barn? Really? Really? Any takers? Seriously. 
We call it a manger, and we paint it all pretty. We clean up the gospel, but guess what? It was a baby who was very dirty amongst animal dung. That was God's plan for the salvation of the world. Hallelujah. The glory and the simplicity. So this is it, guys. We daily, every moment, have these opportunities to worship him. And it's not throwing on worship music in our car. That is worshiping him. But it's, it's, it's about our attitude, right? So it says here, not by way of eye service as people pleasers. Somebody told me this in one of my teachings when I was in YWAM, and it stuck. They said, God ain't concerned about your butt position. He's concerned about your heart condition. She was from Texas. <laughs> but literally, man, that stuck like glue. Man, and it tattooed on my heart. And I was like, Lord, make in me a pure heart. Burn up every unclean thing in me so that I can be a pleasing sacrifice. So let's talk about sacrifice. Let's open up to uh, Romans 12, please. Living sacrifice. Oh, this is good stuff. So we sing about this, right? Let me be a sacrifice. Let me dedicate my life to worship you, right? We talk about living on the altar. Okay. 12 verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Pause. Which is your spiritual worship. Okay, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Okay, I'm going to highlight another part here. That by testing you may discern the, word of, the will of God. So can we determine the will of God without any testing and any renewal of our mind. No, things have to challenge our mind. We have to think differently than the world, okay? The world is concerned with things and comfort and money and, and possession and influence and convenience and the things that I want. But being a living sacrifice is burning daily, for the desires of his heart. And it will test us. The other day, I was sobbing on my husband's chest because Holy Spirit came in the room. And he was like, have you really counted the cost? Are you holding on to any desire of applause from anyone but me? A few weeks ago, I was shaking on the altar, and I feel that this is important to share because what I saw was his eyes. What I saw was his gaze, and it put fear in me. Holy fear. The time is coming and has now come that I will pour out my spirit on righteous hunger. That's what he spoke to me. And you know when I was down there and I was shaking uncontrollably, I thought, well, dang, I look, I look like one of the kooky ones. And he corrected and convicted my heart. He said, are you not willing to shake on the altar for me? How can I trust you with the nations? How can I trust you with the youth to disciple them if you're not willing to even shake your arm if you're not willing to let me move you if you're not willing to let me use you that's not a living sacrifice and that was the song we were singing that I led <laughs> and he's like seek my heart and know me oh God he's like here I am are you ready for the purifying fire There are 
later in this chapter, there are marks of a true Christian. You know, like, love what's genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. I love this one. Outdo one another in showing honor. Man, the Middle East has got that one down. Let me tell you, sitting with some refugees, they know how to show you honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. You know, and there's, there's more here. <clears throat> and I'm not going to spend all my time here on this, but there is a, a realness to living, being a living sacrifice. Loving the bad news on the news. Love all that is good. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, be constant in prayer. What is that? Okay, you're at work. You're driving. You, the be constant in prayer is the oneness with him. It's, the, it's just that oneness with him. It's not a separation. It's not the gospel that the Western church tries to sell us sometimes. Come on Sunday. Come on Wednesday. Come for Sunday school. All right, I am a good Christian. No, 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 no. Actually, no. The mark of a good Christian is to live very differently. If your dinner table looks like a lost family's dinner table, are you living differently? Come on, he's called me to challenge the church because he's preparing a bride that's not afraid of the sacrifice and the covenant she's making with him. You know, the world preaches cold feet at a wedding and they're like, oh, we're gonna, they're making a bad decision. The church needs to stop getting cold feet. We need to be able to say, I can't wait to get married to the bridegroom. I can't wait to marry him. I'm ready. I'm ready. Throw it all away. But give me him. Are we, are we at that place? You know, the only way we're going to get there is by, just by looking at him. Just by being with him. I know that's simple, but hey, I've got some visuals. I'm an artist. I'm a visual learner. I said this before. Okay, part of this, right, is, is Hebrews 11. Turn to Hebrews 11 with me. Man, I love Hebrews. Whew. So good. So in Hebrews 11, it's, it's by faith, this person. By faith, this person, right? So by faith, Abraham did this. By faith, Isaac invoked the future blessings. By faith, you know, all these things. By faith, by faith. They're going through the heritage, the lineage, right, of choosing things by faith. But we're going we're gonna to focus here. Um, verse 33 and down. I'm reading ESV, by the way, <clears throat> if you want to read ESV as well. All right. So they're talking about David and Samuel and the prophets, and, and then it says this, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, but foreign enemies, put foreign enemies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. And then it changes, but goes into this. Some were tortured. Nobody said amen. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release, so that they may raise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering about the deserts and mountains and dens and caves and of the earth. And this is, this is so key. Verse 39 and 40. All these things, though, commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had promised something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause this here. When I first started talking to Pastor Dave about a year ago, there was some 
I was troubled in my heart. And so I made a meeting with him, and he was doing a series on the difference of faith, right? Standing in faith and then surrendering to the sovereignty of God. And around the same time, um, Afghanistan got crazy. Anybody remember that? And what put a little bit of reserve, pumped the brakes a little bit in my heart, was I heard a massing, massive overwhelm of everybody saying, pray for the missionaries to escape. To be honest, I was like, what? Now, I don't want to lose you here. Because I believe that sometimes God called some of those families to come home because he had different purposes for them. But part of the Christian life is sharing in the suffering of Christ. It's going to the dark places on purpose. The world will think we're insane. But we know where we're from. We have no fear of death. That's the good news. Do whatever you will with me. I know where I'm going. And I don't say that cocky, okay? I say that, that, man, that is standing in faith. That is standing in truth. That is the good news of the gospel. Man, Jesus' friends were confused when he died. Even after living three years with the guy. They were like, wait, 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 wait. Was all of this a load of crap? Because it looked really real. They were confused. They even denied him in their confusion and in their fear. Right? And it was until he resurrected, it says some belie- many believed and some doubted. Even then, some doubted. But here's the thing. He was trying to get them to believe that his power was beyond the grave. And they still had a hard time grasping that. Man, I hope that a few years later we're not, well, we are, right? We're just like the disciples. Sometimes we have a hard time grasping Jesus' teachings because it's offensive to our flesh. But the reality that he's inviting us into is so different. So here, here, was, here was the concern in my heart. Do we assume that we know the will of God because of the way we want it to look? Do we assume that we know the will of God because of the way we want it to look? Do we assume... that we know the will of God because of how we want it to look. The Bible teaches us to not be wise in our own eyes, but to seek him above all things, and he'll make our path straight. So it's important for us to get this. Jesus, the founder of our faith, is calling us into this other way of existence. And knowing his will, it's knowing him. But it's also like what it said, as a living sacrifice, that you may discern and know the will of God. Like it said in Romans, right? Through the testing and trials of this world, we become to exercise our muscles so that we start to know what his will looks like. So we start to know what his will sounds like. So I'm just going to throw out an example here. Um, Pastor Dave and I were talking about this in the office this week, and he said, have you heard about the mission story where five men shipped off to um, a country, and they were going to share the word of God, and they all got murdered, and then a couple years later, um, one, of the gal- one of the wives of one of the men that was murdered grabbed her baby and moved with the men that killed, that killed her husband. And, man, I love this because this is what we're talking about. And people were like, how could she do that? And she said, well, I didn't trust him to keep me safe. I, I trusted him to do his will. And here's the invitation this morning, church. He's preparing a bride that's not afraid. And he's going to burn up the fear in this room in the name of Jesus. Because of the fear of the Lord. And when he becomes big in our eyes, we realize everything is dim. Even death. 
And I'm not just talking about martyrdom here. I'm talking about the death of our desires and, and the, the lusts of our flesh as well, right? So literally getting rid of sin and every day, right? Those kinds of things. So, but I also am talking about that extreme, okay? And, all right, we're going to go into um, he- Hebrews 12. I'm just going to read a little bit. Jesus, founder and perfecter of our faith. Verse, verse 1, if you're still with me. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which, cling, which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Okay, let us Run with endurance after Jesus, who was doing it for joy. So, like I read earlier, God is looking for a a church that's not doing this out of duty or legalism. Mm, He's looking for someone who will do it out of love and surrender. Who see the joy set before them who have their eyes fixed on heaven. Okay, then we're going to jump over to Hebrews 13. Sacrifices pleasing to God. Here's some practicalities, right? Man, I love the practical, right? Make a dream a plan. That's me. All right. Sacrifices pleasing to God. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For therefore, thereby, some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though you were in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since you are also in the body. And then it talks a little bit about marriage, and it talks about not keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have, especially going into the holidays Come on, Western Church. Be content with what you have. Love you. Keep your life free from the love of money and appearances. Man. So that we can confidently say, oh, sorry, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. All right, so. I'm all about practical things, right? Oh, what? Mm, yeah, 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 that's good. I'm all about practical things. So that's why I love that there's practical steps. What is a sacrifice that's pleasing to God? Showing hospitality to strangers. Mm, that's simple. What is sacrificing to God? Be content with what you have. That's the gospel. So good. Sorry, it makes me excited. Because every now and then, it's super tempting to fall into the I need more, I'm not, I don't have enough, I need, I, I don't, I'm not enough, I don't have enough, I need to get more, I need to look a certain way. Man, we preach that to the youth group, but we live it daily as adults still. You know? The whole world around us, the culture around us is telling us that we need more, we need more. So what a countercultural way to live to be content with what we have. That's a sacrifice pleasing to him. Man, it's good. All right, let's go to Philippians. Philippians 3. Oh, man, this whole year I've been in Philippians. This entire year I open the word and I'm like, Lord, where do you want to take me? He goes, Philippians. And I'm like, again? Yes, Philippians, I'm bringing you into deeper understanding. Don't just slide by. I want to get at your heart. <clears throat> so, man, Philippians is so good because it's the chapter of joy. One of my mentors told me that when I was like, why does he keep sending me to Philippians? And she was like, because he wants you to encounter joy. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's actually really good news because I thought that it was just all really heavy. All right. <laughs> She's laughing at me. <laughs> um, so, 
Yeah, Philippians 3, righteousness through faith in Christ. So Paul here is, is talking um, about how he has all of the rights to be righteous, right? Because he, he, was, he was a righteous man by the law and all these things, right? But um, we're going to skip past that, and we're going to go to verse 7. Um, and it says, But whatever I gain, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So this is the invitation this morning. Jesus wants to give his church a fresh encounter with the worth of Christ. That's exciting. Because everything that seems hard gets really light when we see how exciting he is, when we see how good he is, when we see the price he paid for us, the sacrifice he poured out, when we're excited about that and we're filled with wonder, man, we can get excited about doing a lot of crazy things. Yeah, it's so good. So do we need, we're, this is the invitation, is to count all things as garbage as rubbish. Everything that we could gain, any kind of leadership that we could gain, any kind of, and now when I say leadership, I mean position. Does this make sense? Any, any kind of position, any kind of influence, I hear a lot, a lot of our young ones are like, man, I want to be an influencer. That's the new thing. What do you want to be? It's not policeman. It's not firefighter. It's influencer. It's, it's YouTuber. I, I want to I be a, not everybody, not everybody. There's definitely lots of different dreams. I'm not trying to paint that over everyone. But largely, if you ask Gen Z, like, what, are you, what do you want to do? They're like, man, I want to make a difference. I, I want to have influence. Right, guys? Is that true, more or less? Come on, help me out. Yeah, that's true, more or less. Okay. We want to make a difference in this world. Well, here's the great news. If you want to... Lay down everything and live free. And that means laying down our very, very carefully planned out, very structured, very busy lives. Are we too busy for the gospel to live on fire in our life? Are we in love with our comfort more than Christ? Man, I don't want to live there. And sometimes I do. I'm just being real with you. Even with my job being discipling others. You know, it, we can get so busy. I hear so many, so many times when we try to connect with people. And this is, this is not a complaint, okay? It, I'm just saying it's a reflection of the culture, Okay is, hey, man, God's really been wanting me to get connected with you. Oh, yeah, I've got time for that for five minutes, three weeks from now at this coffee shop because I can't drive farther than that. And I'm not complaining at people. That, don't hear my heart in that. What I'm saying is, if we're that tight on our schedule, what space do we have for him, for Holy Spirit to move, for him to use us? We make space, we make room, we have come to be close to you. We sang it this morning. Are we going to follow that up with action? I make space in my life, Lord. I'm going to show up to the coffee shop five minutes early to see if you want me to love someone. Oh, there's another part of the verse. <laughs> Let's read it. <laughs> okay, so to, sorry. <laughs> in order that we may gain Christ and be found in him, not having righteousness of my own that comes in the law, but that which comes through Christ, faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from death. Okay, so that was the other piece of that. But that's where he's leading us is 
He wants us to share in his sufferings, and it's joyful. And it's delightful. And it's the will of God. You know, do we think that the will of God will always keep us safe? In the charismatic movement, we, we have to be careful because it's beautiful to stand in a place of faith and to shout for victory and to contend for the bowels of lions to be shut and all of these things. Those things are powerful, and I'm not, bang, I'm not bashing that. That's in the word, and that's what he calls us to. But he also calls us to share in his sufferings. And he calls us to surrender and say, you know what? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. It, it calls us to say, whether I'm safe or not, whether the outcome is what I thought or not, whether I'm healed or not, you're good. And your will is pleasing, acceptable, and perfect. And who am I? Like Job says, right? After all the craziness he goes through, he comes back and he says, who am I to know all that you have going on, Lord? The church needs a fresh breath of the fear of God and trembling. I thought, Lord, this is kind of crazy. Why do you want me to have this like rusty thing that I have to ask 50 people for? And he said, it's important. He's sifting out something. This is a prophetic act. It's not just something stupid. He's sifting his church. Will we allow him to shape us and mold us? Will we get to the place of faith and entrust in him where we're filled with joy to share in his surrender and sacrifice? Not out of duty, but out of love. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com slash give.